This is the Whole Hog Baseball Podcast, presented by Massage Envy, the first podcast devoted entirely to Arkansas baseball. Featuring insight from Arkansas baseball color analyst Bubba Carpenter. Here's Matt Jones. Feels like baseball is kind of like the weather, Bubba. Uh, you know, they, they talk about the weather here. If you don't like it, stick around for a day and it'll change. Baseball can change really fast. We were talking last week about how confident the Razorbacks were coming off that sweep of Tennessee. And then, you know, some injuries changed some things. They didn't have Parker Rowland at Georgia. Tavian Josenberger's out now. And now they go into the Texas A&M series this week on a four-game losing streak, having lost three to Georgia. And on Tuesday night to Missouri State, uh, it's like the, the old Ron Washington saying, that's, that's how baseball goes sometimes. Well, it is, unfortunately, Matt. I tell you, you know, but I still look at the Georgia series and I, I look at all the all the things that went wrong. And if you really think about it, we were one pitch, possibly one swing away from coming away with a series win. As a result, we didn't get those done. We got swept. And that's just, that's life in the SEC. The margin for error is so tight. You know, if, if a team gives you a window, you got to take advantage of it. And we didn't this weekend, and, and therefore we got swept. But you can you can still look at it as a positive and think with everything that went wrong, we were that close to winning a, a, a series, a tough series on the road. Yeah, I was having a discussion with somebody up at Hammonds Field on Tuesday night um, in, in Springfield, and it was just about how the teams that have won championships always seem like they're the teams that, go through a rough patch during the season maybe not as defined as what happened with Ole Miss last year but you even think about the Oregon State team that beat Arkansas in the 18 College World Series that team I think they lost a game in their home regional I think they lost a game in their super regional I know they worked their way out of the losers bracket in Omaha they even lost the first game of the championship series to Arkansas and you know they they had to play a lot of elimination games and and win that way and it wasn't as easy for them as it was the year before when they went to Omaha and they only had four losses. Uh, I think that, you know, and then you kind of contrast that maybe to what happened with Arkansas two years ago in Tennessee last year, where it just seemed like things came so easy for those teams during the regular season that maybe it didn't, you know, I, I don't know, maybe they weren't up for the challenge whenever they, they were met with it in the super regionals those years. I think that when you go through rough patches like this or even the the rough patch that Arkansas went through late last year, it really hardens the team and and helps them prepare for the postseason. This is one of those character building times that I think can be good for a baseball team, even though when you're in the moment, it it doesn't feel very much fun as a player. Man, I agree, Matt. I agree 100%. I think everything we went through last year got us ready for that Stillwell regional, you know, we go up in Oklahoma state. That's a tough place to play. Uh, we were battle tested. We were tough. We went in there and we came away with a win. Not very many teams. I don't think would have gone in there and won like we did last year at their place. And I think everything that happened throughout the season got us ready for that. And, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm an, op- I'm an optimistic guy, man. I look at it and I say, you know, all of these, all of these things that have happened are going to make us better at the end of the day. I mean, it's unfortunately in, in baseball, it's not all butterflies and, and rainbows. You know, there's you're going to have to take some punches throughout the season. And a team that can withstand those punches and and come out the other end a little tougher is going to going to be the teams playing at the end of the year. And you know, you mentioned you mentioned uh, last year with with Ole Miss. I mean, they were the they were the they struggled all year with a really good roster. They were the last team in probably the NCAA tournament. They end up winning it all. I mean, anything mm-hmm. can happen. I, I think uh, if we can just keep it together these next couple of weeks, which I think we can, I, I really do. Um, I think we're going to be, we're going to be okay. That old Miss team that it turned around for them late in the year when they got Jacob Gonzalez back on the roster and, of course, Arkansas is going to get some players back uh, late in the regular season, or, or that's the expectation at least. You know, the injuries have been piling up. We mentioned Parker Rowland was out against Georgia with a back injury. He's going to be back in the lineup this weekend against Texas A&M. Jared Wagner's out until probably the South Carolina series, at minimum maybe the Vanderbilt series, which would be the last weekend of the regular season. Uh, Tavian Josenberger has a, a grade one strain uh, to his his hamstring it's probably going to keep him out for a couple of weeks. It's an indefinite amount of time right now. Uh, but, you know, the the feeling that you get talking to people around the program that it's probably going to be at least a couple of weeks. They're they're not expecting him to play at all against Texas A&M this weekend. 
Peyton Stovall, he's dealing with uh, some some arm soreness. I think some upper arm soreness that kept him off the trip to Missouri State. They think that he'll be fine by Texas A&M. They just wanted to give him a night off. And this is a lineup all of a sudden that doesn't look anything like the lineup that helped Arkansas race out to a thirty set or you know thirty and seven start, uh, a fifteen game start where they won eleven games in the SEC. Uh, it's 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 a lot different all of a sudden than what we saw a couple three weeks ago. It is. It's a different look. You know, Phil sent me the lineup last night and uh, before the Missouri State game, and and you know, you just look at it, you're like, wow, what things have changed. But you know, that's once again, that's the nature of the game. I mean, I I guess the thing is, Matt, I've never seen a team have this many injuries you know to both sides to the pitching and to the position player side but you know it it is what it is and 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 look we're razorback baseball we're tough we're resilient we'll find a way through it i know dvh isn't gonna he's not gonna make excuses um and i know the guys on the team are gonna make excuses they're just gonna find a way to come out and win and 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 that's what we expect out of them i was driving back from springfield basically overnight it was like two o'clock when i got back into fayetteville i kept thinking about uh, one of my dad's favorite songs it was uh if we can make it through december by merle haggard it feels like this baseball team you know it's like if we can make it through maybe what like middle of may everything's gonna be all right hey yeah that's a good one we, we might have to rewrite the words on that uh maybe we can get filled to sing it on air i don't know but uh yeah you're right it's uh it's just it's just a matter of surviving right now and and I think we can do it. Boy, uh, wins are so hard to come by. And you, you see you see a win or two this past weekend slip away in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Those hurt. I mean, those really hurt, especially coming off a big a big uh, sweep of Tennessee. But, hey, it, it happens, man. Now we just got to come out and, and get back home to Bomb Walker, which is always good medicine, and get back out there and play some Razorback baseball this weekend against a, a good A&M team that's hot. And we can talk about that in a little bit, but it's uh, it's not going to be easy. But we go out there and play Razorback baseball, get a few guys step up on the mound. I think we're going to be all right. You mentioned Georgia. Two one-run losses there on Thursday in game one. They have <clears throat> chances to to win that game, and they just can't get it. You know, they can't get runners in. I mean, they had a bases loaded, nobody out situation where they didn't score any runs in the eighth inning. Uh, then they get, I think, two runners into scoring position in the ninth with one out. They can't get that run home. Uh, I thought that was, you know, really disappointing for them and, and maybe kind of set the tone for the weekend. They came back. I thought they played pretty well in the finale. Uh, but again, you know, they, they missed on some chances where they really could have blown that game open. Uh, you think about the bases loaded situation where Borfin is called out on a, a, a strike that the, the dugout doesn't like and Dave Van Horn gets ejected uh, from that game. And, you know, and then it it just it it felt like everything the 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 tough weekend really I'm trying to think how to say this you could really see it kind of pile up at the end of the game you know it's it, Georgia gets those runners on and you know the the pitching plan really didn't work the way they thought it would in game three Christian Fouch has to go a little bit longer than they wanted him to go George is able to load the bases against him. And then Ben Bybee comes in in a tough situation against the three and four hole hitters for Georgia. It gives up a couple of home runs and a hitter friendly Paul Bark. Uh, just, just a tough, tough weekend all around. And I, you know, I agree with you. I mean, they're, they're two, maybe three swings away from that series being a two, one series instead of Oh three. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing about baseball in the sec. I mean, they're just, just, just the value of 90 feet. Uh, the value of one pitch. I mean, it's crazy how that, you know, one swing can change things in the SEC. And we see it every week, you know, this same thing happened to to other teams. You know, now the thing that Razorbacks have done all year, if you look at all our stats, we really shouldn't be where we're at. (laughs) We really, um, the stats don't line up to where we're at in the SEC, to be honest with you. But I think that's a credit to the coach staff, to the to the toughness of the players on the field, uh, to to still find ways to win some of the games that we've won. We just didn't, you know, the breaks didn't. I, I say the breaks didn't go our way, Matt, against Georgia. But I'm one of those that says you make your own breaks, mm-hmm. and and we had the opportunities there. Now whether Georgia pitchers stepped up, let's say the eighth inning on Thursday night. Georgia pitching, they they made some good pitches, 
you know, but we still got to find a way to scratch one across right there. All year we've been able to at least get one out there and get a sack fly and, and, and get at least one run in that situation, but to come away with no runs in that, in that eighth inning, boy, that was, that was a tough one. And then a couple of, you know, a couple of booted balls early in the game. One was a double play ball could have got us out of the inning led to a run. I mean, just little things like that, that, that we've been able to do all year. We just didn't get done against Georgia. And, and still with all those things, we're right there with a chance to win. And that's, that's what's crazy. You know, I think what the last few games has kind of uh, made me think is that you, you appreciate the type of start that the team got off to when in 30 out of 37 games, it's given them a little bit of a cushion for, hey, if they have to fall back for two or three weeks here, they got off to such a good start that it, it's not like last year necessarily where that team, uh, they didn't finish so well and all of a sudden it cost them a regional I think when you think about the teams they've beaten and, and the RPI that they've got right now, there's a little bit of a cushion, a little bit more of a buffer zone uh, to have a bad stretch than there has been in past years. I think so. And then also, if you look at the teams, all the ranked teams, there were a lot of a lot of bad, bad upsets last week. Well, I mean, six of the top teams. 10 were yeah. swept. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at, if you look at that, I mean, we're we're okay if <laughs> we, we just we can't have another colossal failure on a weekend we just gotta mm-hmm. we gotta find a way to go out there and scratch out a couple of wins i really think these next couple of weeks are important for us to survive uh because we know with with uh south carolina and vandy our last two series it's it's not gonna get easier so i think this week and next week are real important it kind of felt like last week was a mulligan for all of these teams that are jockeying for those top eight national seeds or at least a lot of them, because, you know, like you mentioned, uh, so many of them lost last week. I mean, Vanderbilt got swept, Florida got swept, Arkansas got swept, Virginia got swept, Louisville got swept, East Carolina got swept. And so it's like, okay, you're able to just cancel that weekend. What do you do the rest of the way out? And right. these, like, I, I agree with you, you know, wholeheartedly that these next two weeks are, are really important because, uh, Texas A&M, they're playing well, but you look at the teams they've beaten outside of Kentucky, uh, and it's it's some of the lower-end teams in the SEC that they've beaten, so it makes you wonder, are they really that good, or are they beating up on teams that are just not as good as they are? And then, obviously, Mississippi State is struggling, so there's a chance here for the next two weeks for them maybe to, to turn this ship around, even without some of their guys in the lineup, but there's also the chance that it could go south on them. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, Arkansas's got players in different roles all over the field, and I think we're going to see that again this weekend against A&M, similar to what we saw in Springfield on Tuesday night, where you've got Brady Slavens in left field, you've got Ben McLaughlin at first base, I think Stovall will be back in the lineup for uh, the A&M series, so that'll give you your second baseman there, but you've got Jace Borfin playing in center, and you've got Kendall Diggs playing in right, and who's your designated hitter now with all these guys in the field, it's just uh, it's it's just kind of fascinating to see how they put this lineup together. Yeah, I mean, you know, guys have got to just step up. I mean, first of all, we need we need Stovall, we need Slavens to step it up and have a good weekend. You know, they they haven't they've been struggling a little bit in SEC play. We need them to step up. But then, you know, you look at Ben McLaughlin; he's been awesome. I mean, he stepped right in. You know, and and kind of took the place that Jared Wagner in the lineup, and he's done a really good job. But but now we need a couple more guys to step up. You know, whoever that's going to be. You know, a, a guy I like a lot is Peyton Holt. Peyton, when Peyton's in the game, the ball finds him. He ends up at the plate. The, the <laughs> he ends up in big situations at the plate. He's able to get the bat on the ball. You know, Peyton Holt's a guy that that we might see this weekend, and, and maybe yeah. come up with a, with a big play or a you know or a big hit at the plate. He tripled and scored in the game at Missouri State. Has there ever been an extra base hit where Peyton Holt's helmet has stayed on? No. I mean, that guy just flies around <laughs> the bases, the helmet. I was watching him last night. I think he, he gave it about three different tugs on the, the you know, that as he was rounding first base, going for second, and finally just gave up and looked like may, he may have even voluntarily just flipped it off and, you know, raced into third. He's a lot of fun to watch, and he's been doing this even since the preseason. He was – I was impressed with him at the plate in the all those scrimmages that we watched in January and February. Yeah, I am too. And you you need an energy guy out there. And 
you know, I've talked about it all week where Tavian Josenberger, that's a, that's such a huge loss for us, Matt, because he's our, he's kind of our emotional leader. He's a high energy guy, saves a lot of runs out in center field, but then also scores a lot of runs for us. Um, I feel like we need that energy guy out there and on the field. Now, I don't know if there's a spot for Peyton Holt out there this weekend or not, you know, if they, maybe if the they, DH, possibly a DH if Stovall's arms hurt, Put him at second base and let Stovall DH. You know, you that way you still got Peyton out there. You know, he doesn't have a ton of SEC at bats, but I mean, the guy can hit. If you can hit, you can hit. I I I really think that. And so, you know, he might be a guy that could spark us this weekend and and come up with some big swings and maybe a big player too on defense. You know, I've mentioned several times that I like the the backups on this team, the backup position players. I, I think that you know they could make a good lineup on their own but I think what the last few games has shown you is just the value that Arkansas had in Josenberger being the leadoff guy and Wagner being the three hole I mean how many games this year have you seen it where Josenberger goes up and has a seven eight nine ten eleven pitch at bat gets on base and then Wagner slaps him in you know a couple of bats later uh it's that's really the thing that I feel is missing in this lineup right now is is that I know they're one three in the lineup but that one two punch of of Josenberger and Wagner. Well, not many teams could withstand losing those two guys. I think we've done about the best we can do with it. Um, yeah, you look at Missouri State's game. I don't, I don't, I write that off last night. I mean, look at all the SEC teams that lost on Tuesday night. You know, what were there? Five teams, five SEC teams lost. And, you know, AM gets beat by Sam Houston. You know, Auburn got beat by Troy, uh, Louisville beat Kentucky. Uh, LSU get beats, but gets beat by Nichols. I mean, so that just goes to show you these Tuesday, you know, I, I heard a lot of complaints, you know, after the Tuesday loss and, and look, I mean, it's Tuesdays don't matter. What matters is what happens Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at bomb Walker. So, I mean, that's, I don't know. I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in what happened in Missouri state. I know everyone well, wants to go there and beat them, but you know, who cares about that game? Let's get ready for this weekend. I talked, I had a nice conversation on the field with Keith Gutton after the game last night. And you know, we talked about Tuesday games this time of year. And he said, you know, it, it's really hard. He said, teams still want to win these Tuesday games. He said, but you, know, you got Arkansas over here and they're focused on trying to make a regional and trying to win the, the division in the SEC. He said, and we're trying to win the Missouri Valley Conference. He said, and that's where your focus is this time of year is on the weekends. And so I feel like it's really hard to to hone in and, and get ready for this midweeks. And, you know, you look at, like you said, what's, what's going on across the sec. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but there are a ton of teams that are losing in the sec in the midweek right now. I mean, even LSU has lost the last two weeks to in-state teams. They lost to Louisiana Lafayette last week. They lost to Nichols, which was a really, really bad loss for them uh, last <laughs> night at Alec box. So, I mean, it, it's not just Arkansas that this is happening to it's, it's all over the place. Oh yeah. And so that's why, that's why you can't put a lot of stock in it. I know it's hard for Razorback fans because they want to beat Missouri state, but, and, and a lot of people are like, they, Oh, that's a big rivalry. I, I don't, I don't know. I, maybe I view it different. I know there's so, been some really good games. I don't consider that a rivalry. We're better than them. We got a better program than them from top to bottom. And to me, there's no comparison. I don't think it's a rivalry. I think Dave's like 20 and 10 against uh, Missouri state since he's, He's been here. Um, I don't know. I don't see that as a rivalry. All right. So Keith Gutton, he was actually asked about it being a rivalry last time. The, the question was framed to him, and it wasn't by me. It was uh, by uh, by one of the, the reporters there in Springfield, but basically about the significance of beating Arkansas with the history between the programs. And this was Gutton's quote. He said, well, I think our fans may think Arkansas is our rival, but their fans don't, and they shouldn't because their rivals are in the SEC West. He said, but people are going to get excited when you're able to beat a program of that stature. So I, I think, you know, like you said, I don't know if Missouri State really has a rival in baseball. You think about how the Missouri Valley's changed over the years. Yeah, I think at one point, Wichita State would have been considered their big rival. But, you know, I think for Missouri State, they're that kind of program that they're at the top of the food chain, the Missouri Valley. And so a lot of teams are, are gunning for them. And then Missouri State, they're trying to pick off a lot of these regional teams in the midweeks, whether it be Arkansas or Oklahoma State or OU. Uh, it's it, Missouri. Uh, they played them a couple of times. Uh, it's it's just kind of a I don't know. It's it's a it's an interesting program because it doesn't feel like there's really any one rival that 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 team has. 
You know, that's that's a great answer, though, by Keith Glenton. I, I, lo- I like that answer uh, because he's spot on. He really is. But a, a lot of our fans still, I think, they remember the, you know, a couple of regional games that we've had. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they've still got that in their mind and they view them as a rivalry. But I, I, I like his answer there. That's spot on. How do you feel when you see Keith Glenton still in the dugout? Because you were playing games when he was the coach at, at uh, Southwest Missouri State at the time. You know, I like it because, I mean, he's it's consistency. You know, he's been there for a long time. Um, you know, he's done a good job. I, I like it. I like in today's game of or change. Everyone wants, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. Other side, it's it's good to see a guy stay in one place for a long time. And 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 I love it about Arkansas too. I mean, look at you know, you look at Norm DeBryan and DVH. I mean. It's just consistency, and 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 I like that, man. I'm a creature of habit, Matt. I'm one of those. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so I, I like it. I wanted to talk to you. Go back to the outfield talk for a minute. Uh, Slavin started at Missouri State in left field. It was the first time that he's played left field since his true freshman year at Wichita State. Uh, what did you think of him in left field last night? Look, Brady's an athlete. You know, we talk about guys playing first base all the time that you, you throw your big donkey over there that can't move, can't do anything else but hit. I, I think of the, uh, oh, shoot, the Auburn kid last year, big dude that, that crushed. Yeah, sure. I think of him when I think of a, a first baseman. Well, that's not Brady Slavin. Brady's an athlete. He moves uh-huh. well. Uh, if you're an athlete, you can play. Now, the only difference is, look, I played I played some first base at U of A in, in the minor leagues. I played some first base, uh, played mostly right field and center. And I didn't, I never had any trouble going from first base to right field. Now, when I got asked to play left field, man, it was different, Matt, hmm. because that's the ball comes off the bat different because I had never played the left side of the field. I mean, everything was center, right first. Uh-huh. So I'd never seen the ball and it comes off a different angle. The righty's ball hooks, the lefty slice. It just seems to be more of a hook and slice in left field than it is over in right. And so that's what I had trouble with, but I don't think Brady will have trouble with it. Um, you know, he's an athlete. He'll adapt. And uh, I think I expect he'll go out there and make plays. It'll be just like Kendall Diggs in right field. We've seen Kendall improve a ton over just a couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. And I think Brady will do the same thing. Yeah, with Kendall, it's not always making the the catch up against the wall like he did against Georgia. Sometimes it's just making that read and, and cutting off a ball where it keeps a base runner from going, you know, basically turning a single into a double. Uh, it seems like he's done a pretty good job with that. Now, it, you mentioned something that I, I actually had this thought last night against uh, Missouri State, thinking that Diggs has played a lot of third base. Slavens has played a lot of first base and I know Brady's played some third base too I just thought it was interesting that they've kind of crisscrossed in those corner outfield positions well see I thought that too when they moved Orphan to left and Diggs to right that was my first thought is it looks like to me it'd be easier for Diggs to scoot back to left but but maybe not I mean a lot of it has to do with how SEC hitters hit you know where more balls are hit I think there's more balls hit probably to left field and right I, right yeah, I don't know. I mean, DVH has a has a plan for everything he does. He doesn't operate on a whim, so he, there's a reason for it. I just when when I'm coaching young kids at a young age, I try to get them to play, you know, the right side and the left side. It doesn't matter to me if you're if you're playing third base, you can play left field. If you're playing first base, you can play right field. You know, and they're, and and they're they're kind of interchangeable to me because it's the angle of the ball off the bat that you read. Um, but it's just me. But you know, Kendall's done a good job in right field, and and we'll see how Brady does this weekend. I'm I assume he's going to be in left field, and I expect him to go out there and do a good job. I feel like uh, Jace Borfin looks kind of like a natural in center. I think Jace could do anything. I think Jace could come in and play first base. I think he's just a baseball player, mm. you know. And 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 I look at Kendall Diggs that way too, you know. Just a just a baseball player. You could put you could put Kendall. Anywhere you want. He's, he's one of those players, hey, where do you play? Anywhere you want me, coach. I just see that out of Kendall and, and Jace. They just seem like that type of player. So I think I think they'll go out there and good, do a good job. Now, with that being said, Matt, I mean, I mean, it's – I, I don't, don't want to sugarcoat it. There's going to be some balls that Jace Borfin's not going to get to that, that 
Octavian would have gotten to. There, mm-hmm. there will be at least one this weekend that 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 he won't get to. He's not. He doesn't run like Tavian. He doesn't get the jumps that Tavian does. But anything that he can get to, he's going to catch. Talk more Razorbacks here in just a moment. I want to tell you that the Whole Hog Baseball Podcast is sponsored by Massage Envy. Go to the best day spa and best massage in all of Northwest Arkansas. You can visit Mike and his staff in Tuscany Square at 2603 West Pleasant Grove Road in Rogers or in Fayetteville at 3557 North Shiloh Drive. Massage Envy has services for everyone. MassageEnvy.com. Massage Envy with clinics in Rogers and Fayetteville has been awarded Northwest Arkansas's best day spa and best massage. One of the reasons is our care for athletes, both serious and recreational. We now offer rapid tension relief sessions using a high caliber vibrating tool and total body stretch sessions like the ones used by the PGA. Both of these new services can be combined with the always popular deep muscle treatment. So whether you compete or just want to relax, there is no place better than Massage Envy. Wholehogsports.com has the largest, most experienced staff of reporters covering sports in Arkansas. Football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. You'll find it at wholehogsports.com. The website includes up-to-minute news, daily commentaries, and award-winning photography from the staffs of Hogs Illustrated and the Democrat Gazette. For subscriptions, call 1-800-757-6277. That's 1-800-757-6277. Or visit us online today. Wholehogsports.com. With almost 30 years in business, a Teague Law Firm can help with most family law and criminal law issues. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785. We mentioned that there's been a lot of upsets across the SEC in the midweeks lately. And just this week, of course, Arkansas losing to Missouri State. We mentioned that LSU lost to Nichols on Tuesday night. You had Georgia State beating Georgia. Uh, Troy beat Auburn. Not really an upset, but Louisville, who's ranked, they beat Kentucky. It was Kentucky's first midweek loss of the year. Uh, and Texas A&M lost to Sam Houston State. Didn't even look very good at all. Lost 9-2 to two to Sam Houston State. And Jim Schlossnagel made uh, one of the funnier comments that I've heard uh, from a head coach this year, Bubba, when he said that, uh, you know, Reveille, the, the mascot for the Aggies, uh, their handler came out and threw the first pitch of the game against Sam Houston State. He said he threw it down the middle of the plate. My pitchers couldn't even throw it as well as Reveille's handler. <laughs> that's awesome. That sounds like a slash thing quote. That sounds like something he would say. That's that's a good one there. But you know, you go back and I mean Arkansas, they've had some troubles in the midweeks. They've they've had a lot of games. I wrote this last night. They've had four games this year where they scored the the winning run or the go-ahead run in a midweek game in the seventh inning or later. It happened against Grambling State, happened against Illinois State, happened against Army, uh, happened last week against UCA. Um, Vanderbilt, they lose to Indiana State last week. LSU's lost the last couple. And kind of a common theme with those three teams is that they've got some issues in their pitching staff with injuries, whether it be Vanderbilt in the starting rotation, LSU with some of its top relievers that have been out for a few weeks, of course, we know what's gone on with Arkansas's pitching staff. And it just feels like the later you go in the season, the more all of that adds up and it kind of presents itself in these midweek games because you don't want to burn your pitching for the mid or for the weekend against these teams that you're playing on Tuesday and Wednesday. And I, I feel like there's a lot of teams right now that are just kind of biding their time until they can get out of these midweek games and just focus on uh, the weekend games. Arkansas's got one more midweek left against Lipscomb next week, and then you know they're able to get into that pattern where they're only playing three games a week. Well, I know early on Dave loved the midweek game because you know it gives kids a chance to play that don't get out there. You know, without some of those midweek games, you look at some of these guys that we talked about: Peyton Holt, you know, Hudson Polk, uh, you know, Boot McLaughlin. Well, McLaughlin was hurt, but you know, Harold Colt. Some of those guys that were getting at bats, Jason Jones, in those midweek games. You know, now they they've got some at bats. If it wasn't for those midweek games, they wouldn't be getting abs. And some of these guys that we're relying on now, you know, Bybee and and uh, Christian Fouch. You know, uh, Gage Wood, some of those guys that were throwing early on in, in Tuesday games, you know, they wouldn't have the experience they've got. So it helped them get ready for now. But, yeah, you're right. At this point, Dave's ready to get these things over with and just focus on the weekend, let people get he- healed up during the week and uh, get ready for the the weekend play. In the division races right now, South Carolina and LSU are on top. 
you really think about that series that they had a couple three weeks ago they got rained out and you know what would have been like if you could have had a game three between those two teams but given what happened with Arkansas getting swept at Georgia LSU goes to Ole Miss uh, they sweep. They had a big home run in the ninth inning of game three in order to to sweep that series. And LSU, they're showing a little bit of a clutch gene, I think, Bubba. I mean, this is three or four times this year, maybe more, where they've been up against it in the ninth inning and they come through with a big home run. I know it happened against Texas. It happened against Kentucky. happened against Ole Miss. Uh, I believe it happened uh, in another game that they played earlier this year. The, the, the situation, you know, it kind of escapes me right now, but – yeah, they're they're not the dominant team like Tennessee and Arkansas were the last two years, but it feels to me like they are the best team in the conference. Maybe South Carolina would be the only team at this point that you could say would be kind of comparable to them based on the way they played them in Columbia. Well, I think what LSU has is they've got a veteran team and their lineup is just full of veteran guys and they've all stayed healthy. And I think that's huge right there. The fact that they're they're pretty much their starting lineup stayed healthy all year. And that's that's the 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 thing that hasn't happened with us here in Fayetteville. But uh but you're right, they're they're a good team. Uh, I'll tell you who's still scary to me is Tennessee. Yeah. I'll tell you the way they I'll went in and that. took care. Okay, well, I mean Corbin Burns, I don't know if you watched him pitch any over the weekend, but he's he was he was dealing this weekend. Yeah. So I don't know if he's settled into his role at the end of that game, if they're going to use him as a closer from here on out. But I tell you what, he was dirty. Well, and they've gotten uh, – I forget his name. The he, he started game one against Arkansas. He's a transfer from Charlotte. but yeah, uh, Lindsey. Lindsey. Okay, Andrew Lindsey. You know, and, and what it – I thought Burns pitched pretty well against Arkansas in that relief role. And so maybe with Lindsey moving into the that starting role – you know, they're getting, looks like Dolander's getting back on track a little bit. Uh, you know, the beam is a, a, a good starter for them. You know, that could be kind of the, the linchpin, so to speak, for Tennessee, because <laughs> I mean, think about Tennessee, how bad people felt about them going into the Vanderbilt series. They had gotten swept at Arkansas. They lost a midweek to Tennessee Tech last week. And then all of a sudden, nobody saw it coming, what they were going to do against Vanderbilt. Uh, they, they win with a walk-off home run in the 12th inning of the first game. And then they just run away. They outscored Vanderbilt 31 to nine uh, during that series. Um, th- we, we all know Tennessee's got a lot of potential and, you know, maybe, maybe this is, you know, like we were saying earlier, the teams go through a little bit of rough patch and it makes them better. You, you may be seeing that with Tennessee right now. Maybe I thought when they, when they left here and they were going to Tennessee, I'm like, Oh, they're Tony's done. They're going to go to, they're going to get crushed at Tennessee, you know, especially with tennis with a uh, Vandy speed, because their pitchers do not hold runners well. I mean, we uh-huh. stole like crazy on them. I, I didn't think they had a chance. But, you know, I guess the key is keeping them off first base. I know Corbin Burns came in on Friday night. I want to say he threw three innings, struck out seven. I mean, if you keep them off first base, then you don't have to worry about stealing and holding them on. So maybe that's the new game plan. But, yeah, they uh, they just went in there and just, just dominated Vandy. And uh, I don't know. Tennessee's on a roll now. We'll see what ends up happening. But I do know that they're a team you wouldn't want to play postseason. They're going to get in a postseason with their pitching. Um, yeah, they're a team you don't want to play. They're going to be like Arkansas. They're going to be a – was last year. They're going to be that two seed that comes into your regionals. Like, why the heck are those guys not hosting their own regional? You're right. You're uh, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's – you know, in Vanderbilt, I mentioned South Carolina and LSU are, are, two, are the two best – I think Vanderbilt's in that discussion, but with the 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 problems they're having with their starting pitching right now, I, I just don't know are they going to be able to to stay in that race. Maybe they will, uh, but uh, they're they're having some issues there at Vanderbilt right now. And then in the FCC West, Alabama and Texas A and M, they're kind of slowly sneaking up there uh, toward Arkansas for that second place in the division. Uh, both of them are nine and nine coming into the weekend, and Texas A and M has won four straight SEC series albeit against maybe not the best competition. They did win in Kentucky last week. They won a doubleheader after the the Friday night game got rained out, and then they lost uh, the Sunday game, A&M. They've also played Auburn, Ole Miss, and who am I missing here? Missouri, the last few weeks. So, again, don't really know, is, is A&M <laughs> back? Are they just beating up on good bad teams? We'll get into A&M 
here in just a minute. I want to tell you that the Whole Hog Baseball podcast is brought to you in part by the Teague Law Firm. James Teague has joined his father, Robert, at the Teague Law Firm, which has been around nearly 30 years and was voted Best of Northwest Arkansas in 2019 and 21. James can help you with most family law matters, including divorce, custody, child support. He can also help with criminal law, including felony and misdemeanor offenses. If you have an estate need, James at Teague Law Firm can fill your need there, too. The Teague Law Firm is a full-service law firm. We'll talk to actual lawyers. They will call you back and give you their direct sell. You can call James and the Teague Law Firm now at 479-531-2785. That's 479-531-2785. Or visit them online at teague-law.com. The Teague Law Firm, if we can't help you, we'll talk baseball. As a former Razorback pitcher, James Teague spent years closing innings. Now he's closing cases. With almost three decades in business, the Teague Law Firm can help with most family law issues and criminal law. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785 or visit them at teague-law.com. Want more coverage of your home team? Download the Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Check out the Fan Zone and get up-to-the-minute videos, podcasts, and features on football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. Search for Whole Hog Sports on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire at home. And take it with you on the go by downloading it for your mobile device in your app store. The Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Get it today. You know, in all the years that I've covered the Razorbacks, Bubba, last night was the first time that I've made the trip up to Springfield for an Arkansas-Missouri State game. Obviously, I would have gone up there in 2015 if they wouldn't have had their conflict with the Cardinals and been able to host a, a Super Regional, but I uh, never made it up there for a midweek until last night. And I know you've been at that ballpark, Hammonds Field, quite a bit. It reminds me a little bit of Dickie Stevens in North Little Rock. It, it just feels like it kind of has that same uh, layout and the concourse and, and with their suites and it's i know they're both double a facilities and those teams play each other quite a bit but it's a nice park yeah it's it's i love playing there we play there some during the summer during showcase baseball with our high school kids and it's a it's a fun place to go play good ballpark you know so we always we always enjoy going up there well manicured i would uh point that out uh, that was one of the first things that i noticed as i was walking in was just uh how how i don't know just neat and tidy everything was there around the park but you know one of the things that stood out to me was that that is very clearly the springfield cardinals park and missouri state is just a tenant i mean you walk the the hallways and you've got it's it's just a who's who of Cardinals history, whether it be Jack Buck or Bob Gibson or Stan Musial or or whoever. You know all these, you know, in, in so many cases, players who, and I know the older players didn't play in Springfield, but you know the the younger generation of, of Cardinal greats, they've come through Springfield on their way up to St. Louis, and uh, you know in the ballpark, there's no Missouri State signage anywhere that I could find. It's Cardinals this, Cardinals that. You've got the Cardinals pennants flying up above the the scoreboard uh and i don't know it's just it's it's an interesting dynamic that missouri state this has been their home park for all of these years but it is very clearly the springfield cardinals home baseball stadium and you know it's got to be tough for keith gutton and 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 the players there because just pose that to what we have here at baum walker you walk in Baum Walker and it's a history in Razorback baseball. I mean, it's awesome walking mm -hmm. through the concourse and you see all the players that played here in the past and the, their names of the guys that are in the big leagues right now and guys that played in the past. I mean, it's just, it's totally different. And I, I, I don't know, it's gotta be, you know, it's gotta be a little bit frustrating to not have a little bit more representation of Missouri state baseball, but you know, I guess they got a sweet deal worked out with them and they're, and they're happy. And then, Whatever works, <laughs> works, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I want to talk to you some about pitching for Arkansas. Um, we talked last week that we were impressed with the freshman pitchers, Gage Wood, Christian Fouts, Ben Bybee, and then they go to Georgia, and those three struggled a little bit. Now, Fouts had pitched earlier in that series uh, before being part of the, the meltdown, if you will, during the ninth inning on uh, Saturday. Wood didn't give them as efficient of an outing as he had been giving them in the past. I think what the hope was, was Hagen Smith would pitch for however long he could go. Gage Wood could pitch for uh, up to three innings, and then Fouts would be able to give him an inning. Wood was only able to get five outs. Fouts had to come in, and had he finished the game, he would have had to have given him seven outs. Obviously, he was only able to give him four. Um, 
from let's start with Wood. Do you think it is uh, practical to expect him to be able to go three innings every time he comes out? You know, I know he's been able to do it a lot of times, but that's still a lot of innings, I think, to ask for uh, somebody that's basically a closer and, and who throws, you know, like he does. You know, it, I think he can, Matt. I really do. I, I don't think it's asking too much of him to go three innings. He's been a starter his whole life. He's got elite stuff. Um, he's strong. You know, he doesn't lose his fastball after a couple of innings. You know, he's still got his good fastball. I, he just had an off weekend, you know, but the thing, he only walked two batters and, and, and it, that's the thing about, it. you look at the fresh, they, they didn't walk, uh, Christian Fouch walk one, uh, Ben didn't walk anybody. Gage Wood just walked two, but he just wasn't real efficient. I mean, you're going to inning and two thirds, you got to, that's 52 pitches isn't very economical. So he's got to, he's got to figure that out, but I, I think he can do it. I really do. And he's got the mindset and the mound presence. I don't think he's phased by, uh, in that situation, I really, really don't. And and look, I'm impressed with these three guys. Uh, well, they didn't get it done at Georgia, but look, they're, they're, that's going to make them stronger next time they're in that situation. You know, we saw Ben Bybee come in against Missouri State and throw a couple of good innings, and that was mm-hmm. so good to see. I, I I have I haven't made it any secret at all. I'm a big Ben Bybee fan. I I love his mound presence. I I love his his attitude. I love talking to him off the field. Um, I, I don't know. I, he's going to be a good one. And, and look, they're just, <laughs> they've kind of been thrown into the fire. You think about it. So we talk about the 27 outs, Matt, and you just, you take, even if we just had Brady Tigert for three more outs in that mm-hmm. game, that would have made a difference. Or D- Dylan Carter, if Dylan Carter could have come in and just gotten three outs, you know, he probably could have pitched. He was sore and Dave's not going to take a chance. And I think I, I commend Dave and Matt Hobbs for that. Um, Cause I guarantee if they gave Dylan the ball, he would have gone out there and pitched on Saturday, but just the, the value of those three extra outs that we're missing right now goes a long way. And you really start to see it, you know, with all our injuries and everything, how important that is. Uh, how it's also, he, he was used more last week than he's been used at any other point in the season that final game against Georgia was his fourth outing in seven days. And not all of them were real long outings, but I I think you can see that with pitchers sometimes that it's just that, that constant getting your arm hot and ready to go. It can kind of take its toll on you a little bit. Oh yeah. Especially you're, you're a power guy, like, like Christian Fouch. I mean, he's a, he's a 95, 96 mile an hour fastball guy with it, with a, with a splitty and a slider. I mean, everything is power. Um, you know, you, you don't just look at your innings. You look at how many times you get up and get loose and then go in the game. That's a lot of – that is a lot of work for a, for a young kid that's still kind of growing into his body and maturing and everything. So, yeah, that, that could that could have a factor on it. Um, but I think they're going to go into this weekend. I, I see them being well-rested on Thursday, ready to go. If, if they're called upon, I think they're going to go out there and do a good job for us. Uh, they ran into a, a really hot Georgia lineup. I mean, Georgia – their top guys in the order really didn't do anything until the final game of the series. And and obviously they got the two big home runs from near the top of the order. It was the bottom of the order that was just cooking Arkansas all weekend. And and that's one of the hottest teams in the sec. I think that's lost in it that Georgia, they came into that series with a four and 11 sec record, but you look really close and they've won six of their last eight in sec play against Kentucky, Florida, and Arkansas, there's no other team in the SEC that's won six of their last eight right now. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of five years, and it's it's funny that it ended up being that the uh, series was the first time Arkansas had been swept since the 18 series at Mississippi State, because I had actually told somebody after the second game against Georgia, I said it reminds me a little bit of when Arkansas went to Mississippi State in 18, and they got swept, and Arkansas was in first, and Mississippi State was in last place in the division. And that Mississippi State team got really hot, and they almost played Arkansas again for a national championship. They lost two times to Oregon State. Otherwise, it would have it would have happened. So, you know, just what you see, it's it's no different than Arkansas. You know, they're kind of limping to the finish line a little bit here on the or, or they've got the potential to on the back half of the schedule. You know, these teams that don't start so well, they're they're playing for their lives, man, and they're getting better. You know, Georgia. You look at their schedule. And the teams they've played, I think they've got the number one strength of schedule in the country right now. Uh, they've had four or five games where their bullpen blew it for them in the eighth or ninth inning this year. 
and you change a few of those outcomes and it's a completely different story that we're having about Georgia going into that series last weekend. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and that's, that's life in the sec. And Hey, I want to say one more thing about the, about the pitching, you know, with these young guys, I, I know, you know, I played a, a whole lot of baseball games back in the day and was around. I, uh, in the beginning, I, I stayed away from pitchers and pitching coaches because they were kind of the enemy. Then I got to know them. And I, I roomed with a pitcher. I got to be good friends with all our pitching coaches because I kind of wanted to know how they how they thought. <laughs> I thought it would help me as a hitter if I got inside the, their heads. And sometimes it was a little clouded in there. But um, but you look at pitchers; they get used to throwing to a certain catcher. Mm. Yeah, these freshmen, they're used to throwing to to Parker Rowland. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying that I'm not throwing Hudson Polk under the bus by no means at all. I thought he came in and 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 as the weekend went on, he did a good job. Um, but I just wonder if if Parker, you know, Hudson being there calling, maybe his pitch calling is a little bit different than what Parker Rowland would have called. Now I know Matt Hobbs can he's still there's still he's in their ear and he can he can make suggestions. I don't know how much you know, Hudson was calling versus Matt Hobbs. But if you're on the mound and you're a freshman and you're in a big situation like that and your catcher calls a pitch, and if you're not 100% committed to that pitch, you're not going to execute that pitch. And I, I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody. This is just my speculation. That could have had a factor on a few of those pitches that were left up also. So That's a good point. I mean, I, who knows? Who knows? And and Matt Hobbs might have called the pitch or Park and Roland might have called the exact same pitch. But just the fact that they haven't thrown to Hudson as much, you know, they threw to him in the fall. But I mean, it's different right now when you're in an SEC series and in, in the bottom of the eighth inning on the road, you know. And I, I don't know. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. But in my in my psycho baseball mind, that's always running. That's that's one of the things that keeps playing out. Yeah, I had this thought watching the game, and then uh, Van Horn made a similar comment afterward. Uh, that's why you want your best pitcher to be in the game at the back end. And and I feel like the Ole Miss series and this last series against Georgia are, are perfect examples of, of why Hagen Smith is most valuable to this team pitching at the back end. Uh, 100%. You know, I've had so many people come to me and say, well, why are we using Hagen like that? Well, you can point to Georgia <laughs> – and say that's yeah. why right there that's exactly why um and look i know some weekends he only throws he might only throw on friday and he might only throw 56 pitches mm-hmm. and that he's done for the weekend but you know what those 56 pitches get us a win on a friday night which is huge every win is huge take them when you can get them um when when I first early in the year, I wasn't 100 percent sold on Hagen in that role because he's one of the best lefties in the country, if not the best. Um, but now I see the importance of it. And and DVH and Matt Hobbs, they were 100 percent right. And man, I'm on board right now. And 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 who knows what's going to happen when? You know, I I I would I guess I, I'll see. I'm pretty sure Hagen's going to stay in that same role, and I I agree with it 100 percent. No, I, I think you're right. And doesn't it feel like whenever he starts, it, it feels like he's kind of having to harness himself a little bit versus whenever he's able to come in in the seventh, eighth inning, he just lets it rip. And it's like you see a different kind of pitcher when he's closing versus whenever he's starting. Oh, hell yeah, Matt. When when he comes in out of the pen, he comes in with fire in his eyes. I mean, he's I mean, he's on go all the way. And I don't know, when he's starting, it doesn't seem like he has that same intensity. Not that his stuff's any really different. It's just like he has a certain edge to him when he comes out of the pen that I don't see at when he's coming in as a starter. And and maybe I'm totally off base there, but that's just that that's something that to me I see that and it just looks different. Yeah, I mean it it it's almost like he's preparing himself. You know, it's like, hey, I'm I'm having to run a a marathon here versus a sprint whenever I come yeah. in as a closer. It, it just it just looks different. Uh, starting pitching this weekend, we think Hunter Holland's going to start on Thursday against A&M. Past that, it's anyone's guess what Arkansas is going to do. I would not be shocked if Will McIntyre is not in the starting rotation this weekend. I think that there's a, a possibility that uh, he's going to be saved as a reliever. Now, maybe they save him as a reliever and he doesn't pitch the first two days and he's able to start game three. I also would not be surprised to see Brady Tiger start against uh, A&M. 
maybe not throw very long. We saw Hunter Elliott come back from a very similar injury last week against Ole Miss or, or for Ole Miss against LSU, and he was only able to throw one inning. I think he faced 10 hitters, walked five of them. It was not a good outing for him. You know, so I don't know. I think you probably have to uh, set your expectations uh, low relative to the Brady Tiger that we've seen in the past. Uh, but, you know, they're able to get him out there this weekend. We think that he's going to pitch against A&M, that he's going to be on the 27-man. And I think there's a pretty good chance that you could see him uh, as a a starter, opener, however you want to say it against the Aggies, whether that's game two or three. I think I think you're right. I think it's going to happen. And and you know what? I see Brady. The thing is with Brady Tiger, he's he's got one speed, <laughs> and that's full speed. And I think starting him is perfect because you get him out there, you can control the environment a little bit. You can control his pitch count. Um, I don't know. I think that's. I think that'll be a good way to start him out. And then from there, who knows? He might stay in that role as an opener. Or he might. He, he might end up eventually going back to the end of the bullpen and closing out games. But I think that's. I think that's good. And what you said about Will McIntyre, I I hate to see it, but I think you're right. It's you. If you go over Will's numbers in SEC, he's got a seven six two ERA, twenty eight innings, thirty eight hits, eleven walks, twelve home runs. Leagues hitting three twenty eight against him. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the 38 hits and 11 walks, that's a whole lot of base runners right there. Um, and that 328 batting average, he's just leaving some balls up. And I love Will McIntyre. He's an Arkansas kid. I really pull for the Arkansas kids, but, you know, he's just not getting it done. Maybe if he steps into a different role, then he can come out. And, and you know, that's what got him going last year is coming out of the pen. And so maybe he needs to kind of flip, come out of the pen and just air it out for a few innings. And, and and maybe that'll change him. I, I don't know. And then, you know, who else do we do we have that can step in? You know, Cody Adcock's pitched pretty well of late in SEC games. His numbers okay. Gage Wood could even come in. I I don't know what they'll do. Huh. I mean, there's it's 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 hard to say right now. That's why DVH makes the big bucks right there, Matt. It feels like we're waiting for one pitcher to step up and take a starting role because you've got Holland. You think Smith is better in the back end. So who's going to step up and, and and take a starting role over these next few weeks? Because it feels like that's going to be key to this team's success. I, I think you can piece it together in a third game of a series, but I feel like you got to have at least two solid starters. And that's that's really the one missing link on this team, injuries notwithstanding right now. If, if you get your guys back position player-wise, it feels like that's the missing link with this team is, is they don't have a second starter right now who is that going to be? I don't know. Well, that's the that's the million dollar question. Yeah, it maybe it is. Yeah. Of course, right now you're not going to get a lot of pitches out of Tiger. They're no. going to keep him to a low pitch count. You know, probably a lot of it depends on if there's high stress innings or not. Of course, mm-hmm. I still say Brady pitches the same whether the base is loaded or base is empty. He's just he's Brady. Um, but and I, I'd love to see Cody jump in there. I I don't know. He threw probably forty. 50 pitches last night. I don't have it. I don't have the box score in front of me, but I'd say he threw 40, 50 pitches. He could come back on Saturday and start on Saturday. Um, you know, possibly even, even Friday, I guess, you know, and I, I don't know. It's hard to say, um, but you're right. Somebody needs to step up and take that role. Uh, we got to have one more starter that we can count on and then we can go into Sunday and piece it together. But boy, it's hard to piece together, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's that's asking a lot, a lot of a bullpen. It's already kind of thin right now, you know. So you gotta have that that other starter. Yeah, Adcock pitched uh he, he threw 45 pitches against Missouri State, 27 for strikes. It was a pretty good outing. He gave up a home run to the first hitter that he faced. He walked a couple of batters, but you know, overall with with where he's been, it, it was a good outing for him. And and he's strung a few good outings together now when you think about UCA and last week against Georgia last night against Missouri State. Um, Arkansas is wounded. Obviously, they're not feeling great. How much do you think playing at home helps them this weekend when they've been so good this year? Oh, my goodness. Getting back home to Baumwalker, that's it's great medicine for the team right now. Just mentally, you know, we talk about the mental the game of baseball. And just mentally, stepping back into your home ballpark, you can just – it's just a different feel. It's like mama's home cooked meal when you step into to Baum Walker 
for these players. And so I think that's going to help a lot being back home. I hope the weather straightens up. If the weather will straighten up and we can pack that place out, I think that'll really help push these guys through this weekend. If the weather sucks and, and we don't fill up bomb, I, I don't know if it's going to be that much of a factor, but man, I, I hope the fans show up and support this team because right now they really need it. Texas A&M comes in. Um, they're probably going to be a regional team. They're not going to be a host. You know, they came into the season. I think they were top five nationally. They had all those players back from the team that won the the division last year. Um, they haven't had the type of year that, that they thought they were going to have. Now, it may still turn around and, and they're able to, you know, make something special of it. But, you know, you look at their stats, Bubba, and, and I don't have their SEC-only stats pulled up. I think you do. But you know they're they're thirteenth in the SEC right now at batting average at two seventy five. Uh, they're not a whole lot better in terms of uh, pitching. I think they're like tenth in the SEC in ERA. Yeah, they're tenth five four four ERA, and that's in all their games. It takes into consideration some of these midweek games where they've struggled. They lost to Lamar in a midweek. They lost to Sam Houston this week in a midweek. Um, I I don't know what to make of the Aggies, and I, I've, I've touched on this a few times earlier today, but. You know, just because of, of who they've played. I mean, when they played LSU, they didn't look like they were ready for LSU. When they played Tennessee, they got swept. They've gotten it together a little bit over the last four weeks. I, I'm interested just to see you know, how these two different uh, trains collide this weekend because on the surface, it looks like A&M's got some momentum because they're winning four SEC series in a row and Arkansas obviously going through some tough times. But I don't know that that may be as it appears. You know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. You know, they've won four series in a row, and you look at it, okay, they won. They took two or three from Ole Miss, Auburn, Missouri, and Kentucky. You know, I don't even know how good Kentucky is, but the other three teams, not very good. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't say a whole lot about about their, their series wins. And so you really don't know. I know they're a talented team. I know they're well coached. I, I love Schlossnagel. I love the way he coaches. Um, he he's he's defensively he's they're not going to make it's not like Tennessee they're not going to kick the ball around like Tennessee did they're going to play good defense uh, we're going to have to earn everything we get they're not going to give us a, a lot of extra outs um, but you know if you if you look at their SEC stats only they're they're third in SEC in hitting you know they're, they're you know they're they're swinging a little bit scoring some runs. Um, so, I mean, they're going to be – it's going to be a big challenge for our pitching staff. But man, I just don't think they've really been – they've really been challenged like they're going to be this weekend. I think they've had some injuries to their hitters. You know, I think Brett Minnick was out for a little bit earlier this year. I think Ryan Tarjay might have been out, uh, came back, hit a, a big home run, a walk-off home run for them to win their series against Ole Miss a couple of three weeks back. Have you looked much at their pitching? Not yet. I haven't gotten into their individual stats. I just look at their team stats and SEC, they're 12th in pitching, you know, SEC only stats. They're fourth in fielding. Um, but once again, I go back to who they've played versus who we've played. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I look at their last four series as not being real challenging. Yeah. I know Nathan Detmer was, was one who they thought was going to be pretty good for them this year. Uh, they had a, an injury uh, in, back in the fall. One of their left-handers who had been a starter for them last year, he had to have Tommy John surgery. Uh, that obviously affected them from a pitching standpoint. It, it stands out to me, though. Look at Detmer. He's the only one who's really started for them every weekend. Troy Wansing's also uh, thrown quite a bit. He's a left-hander from Kansas City who's probably going to be in the starting rotation this weekend. I don't think Reveille or his handler is going to be able to pitch for them up here at Baum. Uh, you know, but Detmer... It's uh, it, it's it kind of like what you're seeing with Arkansas with some of these starters, just not quite what you expected or what he did last year. And I think it goes back to something that we've talked about a couple of times this year. I just feel like it's really hard for pitchers a second time, you know, like a second season through the SEC. It's like the hitters have figured them out. I was watching a great segment the other day on MLB Network, and it was um, uh, with uh, Mark DeRosa, and he was uh, showing. Uh, uh, is it Yandis Alvarez of the Astros and uh, AJ Mentor of the Braves? And he showed how Mentor just carved up Alvarez two years ago during the World Series, went pitch by pitch. You know, this is what he did. And then he showed him whenever they played this year and the ways that Alvarez has corrected his swing 
to basically take away those holes that Mentor was finding. And I think you're seeing that with some of these hitters because you get the hitters that are also going through their second, third year in the SEC. And it's it's like they figured out how these pitchers are pitching them and getting them out. And, and now those pitchers don't seem like they have much of an edge a lot of times the second time or their second season, third season, whatever the case may be through the league. Yeah, I, th- I get asked that question all the time. Who has the advantage? The pitcher that's faced a hitter multiple times or the hitter that's faced the pitcher? And I say every time the hitter has the advantage. Once you face a guy a couple of times, you file those pitches away. And, and you know, it's it's something I was talking about earlier in the week, uh, just, just the visualization. Once you see that pitch, you can visualize it over and over. And it's like you've done it multiple times. Then you get that pitch, you hammer it. Guys have tendencies. I don't care, you know, how long they play. They, they've got tendencies at certain counts. They go to certain pitches. They don't want to get beat on their second or third pitches. So they're going to go to their best pitch. It is what it is. So as a hitter, you know that pitch is coming. You've seen it. And you're ready for it. And that's why I think guys tend to struggle, you know, when they're in the SEC for multiple years. Now, you know, with that being said, people still haven't figured out Hagen Smith, you know, uh-huh. they saw him all last year. He's still dealing again this year. You know, I think, I think hitters have made an adjustment to Hunter Holland. You know, they're not used to a lefty that can throw that two seam fastball at the front hip of a righty and run it over the plate and then back that up with a cutter in. I mean, a lot of lefties cannot execute that pitch, but I think, I think guys are starting to adjust a little, little bit to that. And when Hunter makes a mistake, it gets hit. Of course, not very many guys are hitting Hunter hard. So I don't know, but I I, th- I definitely think kind of the long-winded answer to what you said is, man, I, that's why it's tough because I think the hitter definitely has the advantage in that case. How many memories come back when they play the Aggies? A lot of memories. Because <laughs> you guys, the, the Aggies were really good in the late 80s, early 90s when you guys were, were winning Southwest Conference championships. It, there were some years, I think, where it, it basically came down to you playing Texas A&M for the title, right? Yeah, we played it one year. It was a 17-inning game for the championship mm. uh, for the SEC the, or the uh, Southwest Conference Championship. We we played a 17-inning game and won it, and it was it was crazy, man. It went it went on late into the night, but it was a lot of fun, and the fans really got into it. We'd get off the bus, and they'd be lined up on both sides of the sidewalk, all over us, all the way from the time we took BP all the way through the game, and then. You know, after the game, they'd offer to take you out on the town. But, uh, yeah, we uh, we never did like the Aggies. I, I, it was it was close who I hated more, uh, Longhorns or Aggies. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was always a lot of fun, though. You know, you think of games that you really remember and some of the 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 chants and the rags that I heard <laughs> at A&M still stick with me to this day. So I can't tell you most of them on the on the air, but there's some really good ones. <laughs> do you like i mean so like you know you're one of these legacy players that goes back to the southwest conference and yeah i feel like sometimes i feel like the southwest conference days get forgotten like for instance you look at the outfield wall at bomb you don't see the southwest conference championships right i mean you guys won swc titles there was a, a team before you that won the the tournament and i've, I've been told that that is going to be corrected uh at, you know the next time that they they basically revamp the wall put new uh you know new padding out there that they're going to get those Southwest conference titles added to the wall, but it just seems like it gets forgotten a little bit. Do you like the fact though, that you're going to see with Texas coming in and obviously with A&M, do do you like the fact that you've kind of got that throwback to those days? And then I don't know, it's a, it's a weird mixture because you've got that. And then you've got 30 years of sec history now built up with a lot of these teams. No, I do. I think it's a good thing. And, 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 and I think it should be represented on the wall there because that's a big part of our history. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think we won our first uh, Southwest conference championship in, in, in 89 was the first year we had won the conference and it was regular it season. Yeah. 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 We won it again in, uh, in 90 and, you know, we're winning two years. I want to say two years in a row, we won 50 games. Um, and I mean, we weren't kissing babies back in the day, Matt, we we're playing some real baseball, um, now I will say with that being said, Southwest, Con- Southwest conference was good back then. I mean, there were, you had Texas, you had us, you had A&M, they were always up there high in the rankings. 
but look, it's it's nothing like the SEC is today. I conceded that uh, a few years ago. Where I mean, this is the real deal. What we're playing now. I mean, guys are better. They just are better. I used to say, oh, back in the day, you know, we we would go into roll into SEC and dominate, but no, we wouldn't. I think we we might get rolled if we went to SEC. I the only difference is I think it was more. You know, the parks were bigger. Um, the, the We didn't score as many runs. Um, pitching was really good. Fundamentally, defense was their sound. I think there was a little more small ball. Um, you know, you didn't play for the three-run homer. I don't know. It was a little bit different game, but, you know, it, it was still good baseball back then. This is Scott Strickland, the Georgia coach. He said after one of the games against Arkansas that he had been talking to Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, a week or two before, and it made the comment to him that – he thinks the 13th or 14th place team in the SEC would win the conference in, in almost every other league. He said he thinks that's how good uh, the SEC is. So that's something that kind of uh, that I thought about when you were saying that. And then you think about all the coaches that have come in. I mean, even Strickland, he took Kent State to the World Series uh, before he got to Georgia. I think there's 10 coaches in the SEC right now who have gone to uh, the World Series Six of the seven in the West have taken a team to the World Series. Uh, Bohannon at Alabama is the only one who hasn't. It, it's just, it's amazing how how deep the conference is. And you got Van Horn and Sosnagel. Uh, Van Horn's taken more teams to the World Series than any other active coach. And I think Sosnagel may be third or fourth right there with O'Sullivan and Corbin. So you got two of the best that are going to be at, at Baumwalker this weekend. The Razorbacks and the Aggies. Three games, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, you can come to wholehogsports.com throughout the weekend for all of our coverage from the series. Uh, also, uh, Tuesday when the Razorbacks play Lipscomb down in Dickey Stevens Park in North Little Rock. We'll be back with another podcast next week to talk about those games and preview the following week's series against Mississippi State. For Bubba Carpenter, I'm Matt Jones. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next week on the Whole Hog Baseball Podcast. The proceeding has been a production of WholeHogSports.com. Look for our latest podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast store. And visit us anytime at WholeHogSports.com for the latest news and commentary.